Anna Aiken is the creator of Daring to Believe, a platform for women to share their stories with an emphasis on embracing authenticity and avoiding perfection. The goal is to give women permission to be themselves, raw and true to life while reflecting the redemption that is in every story and celebrating how God makes us whole. This includes women of all ethnicities, shapes, and histories. Thank you for joining Daring to Believe. This is your host, Anna Aiken, and I am so uh, excited and pumped to have our newest guest on the line, Lisa Penny. Hi, Lisa. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing this very hot summer season? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. We're going to have a great time together. Um, For those of us who don't know you, Lisa, why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Okay. So I am married, I think, 38 years. Honestly, I get that confused all the time. It might be 37. (laughs) (laughs) I have two adult children, one that came home to stay with us during COVID and has decided not to leave. Her name's Brooke. And she is a ray of light. Mm. And then my son, Derek, who is married and has um, a six-year-old named Eloise. She's my heartbeat. And then two two little ones that are twins that were born last year. And they are more, they couldn't be any more different than if they were came from different parents. There's nothing about them that is twin-like. Okay. Uh, my husband has his own business and has had it for about 35 years, and my son works with him. So we're a pretty tight-knit family, and, and we're blessed. And your husband's name is? Terry. Yes, Terry. We appreciate Terry. He has some <laughs> skills. <laughs> and you He's also got have mad a dog. Skills. He does have mad skills. And you have a dog, too. I do. Bandit. Bandit. I love Bandit. What kind of dog is Bandit? He is a Havanese, and he had a seizure last night. Oh, no. Yeah. So, happens from time to time. Is he doing okay? He's doing okay, and um, I think that's part of the breed, but we keep our eye on him, and he gets treated like a baby. Oh, okay, so he loves that. And what do you have to do if he has a seizure? Um, Every day he gets a little bit of coconut oil, and then when he has one, which is occasional, um, we just um, pet him under the neck until it passes. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. He just loves that, probably. Just getting some essential oils going, some rubbing (laughs) under the neck. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit of a fun fact that our friends don't know about you, Lisa. Okay, I was named after Liza Minnelli. My parents planned to call me Andrea, but when I was born, I had a full head of black hair and two big brown eyes. And so they just were like, we can't call her Andrea. She's Lisa. And I agree. I think you look like Liza Minnelli, but for some generations, the younger generations that don't know Liza Minnelli, um, let's just educate them. Who is she? She is Judy Garland's daughter. I didn't even know that. Yeah. She is Judy Garland's daughter, and she's a big Broadway star. Of course, she's retired now. um, But, yeah, that's who she is. 
And Judy Garland, for those who don't know, is the actress from Wizard of Oz. She's Dorothy. Yep. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. good. Yeah, we got to put context to everybody just in case we have that younger listener that's like, who's Judy Garland and who's Liza Minnelli? So, yeah, that's great. That's I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, So, Lisa, I'm just so glad that you're joining Daring to Believe today. And I really want our friends to hear uh, your story that you feel that the Holy Spirit wants you to impart to all of us. So let's just, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. So I know we have this whole concept of we take these steps and they seem linear, but in my life, I have found that everything that I've done, whether it's good or bad, it all has rolled into the call. Even before I was saved, I did this little nine-week class in high school on abnormal psychology, and I was hooked. Never in a million years would I have believed that it was going to be part of the call and part of the message that God's given me to carry. But that was the beginning, and he was in it. And then he has just repositioned me over time to 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 add skill, to add vision, to clarify the call. So for a lot of years, um, I worked at a Christian school. And I was kind of like the unofficial counselor. If you had a problem, you went to see me because they didn't have a counselor. And then when I left there, um, I took a little job here and there. But then I got, th- I got thrust into seven years of anxiety and depression. And that was where God shaped me for this call. In that seven years, nothing worked. And so the reason that nothing was working was because he was redirecting and repositioning and changing everything, changing everything about the way I thought and the way I viewed him. So I had these five major life changes all at once. My kids moved out. We moved. I changed churches. I left my job of 17 years and I went through menopause. I was a little bit goofy at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I would go to work. Uh, At the time I was working for a health system, I would go to work Monday through Friday and I nailed it. And then I'd come home on Saturday and, you know, you, you get up and you do what you have to do, all your chores and shopping. Sunday mornings, I'd wake up, have coffee and I'd cry. And I didn't know what was wrong. And my husband was like kind of worried about me, but it was all part of the call. During that seven years, I held on to two scriptures. One was from Isaiah and it said, once more, the remnant of Israel will, um, bear roots below and fruit above. And I had no idea what that meant, but I knew it was God. And then this one made sense. It was in Job. And it said the latter half of Job's life was more greatly blessed than the former. That's the only thing that carried me through. Can I just pause uh, real quickly? Because I have seen, after talking to several different women who are launching or have launched their business, one theme that seems so clear, abundantly clear to me, is that there was always a problem, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I see that in your story right now as you're, you know, sharing. You know, you 
there was just like maybe a small foundation, as you would say, like in high school, you know, psychology, and then then the next step, right, that God was just trying to rework was you were the counselor, unofficial counselor. And then, you know, what people would see as, wow, that's just a terrible time when you were suffering from anxiety and depression was really, like you said, a shaping time, Mm -hmm. um, an uncomfortable season that you had to walk through um, so that you could walk other women through it. Mm -hmm. Because how can we speak on something and speak on authority of it if we've never walked through the same pains or you know, this, the story doesn't have to be the same, but the elements of it, you know, the sadness, the feeling alone, um, and like you said, just crying on Sunday mornings. Walk mm-hmm. me through that, Lisa. Why, what were you feeling on those Sunday mornings? You know, because I, I also heard mm. you say in so many words, it was like routine. You were doing mm-hmm. the routine stuff. Sunday mornings came, you're having your cup of coffee, and you just started to bawl. Why? What, walk me through that. Because Sunday mornings, my husband would sleep in. I was in the house and awake by myself with my thoughts. And it was the only time that my mind wasn't being hypervigilant. So by hypervigilant, I mean, I was saying, well, what about this? And I got to do that. And I got to double check this because if I don't double check these things, you know, the whole world's going to fall apart. And so I just sit with my coffee in my chair and I didn't realize that it was the only time I let myself feel my feelings. So I'm a little bit older and I grew up under that whole um, Christian paradigm that talked about it, that if you have fear, it's sin. If you have, um, a negative, mm, confession, it's sin. So you could never be honest and say, I'm struggling. Right. And that worked against me, but it was, it was that place of the rub where I'm ending one season and a new way of life was taking hold but it was it was very confusing back then because I didn't know a new way was taking hold so can I pause you right there because this is another theme that I have been seeing and that I'm also recognizing that exactly what you just said I didn't know that you know it was okay basically to sit in those feelings right there was Mm -hmm. like this condemnation that you probably felt like this is wrong. This is wrong. I'm supposed to sit and feel these feelings. Um, and I just started realizing that myself. Um, and I've been a Christian for, you know, 20 plus years. And I am just realizing that Lisa, that it's not bad to sit in your feelings and to reflect on them and to analyze them and then to grow from them. And I think it's that fear uh, of what those feelings would make you realize. But Mm -hmm. also for me, it was a a huge condemnation, like guilt, like I'm Mm -hmm. a believer. I can't. And and that has nothing to do with what people were putting on me. I think it was just my mindset. And I, and I'm, it sounds like in a sense that you and I are, are the same. It's like these 
these checklists that we put upon ourselves Mm -hmm. as moms, Mm -hmm. as just busy women. And then we feel like, okay, I just don't have time. And when we do find the time, God just kind of resurface all these things and bubbles over. So I really want to highlight that because that's so important what you just said. You felt guilty. There was a rub and you just start recognizing that because I, I want women to hear it's okay. <laughs> it's okay right. if you're feeling sad. Yeah. It is. Um, because when you let yourself cry, there's a relief that comes with it. I don't care if it's three tears or the big ugly cry. When you're done, there's a release and a relief. Holding things in and holding it all together. Um, I don't know where we got that from, but it's not it's not even modeled in scripture. David mm-hmm. poured out his heart. Jesus withdrew to lonely places. He did it in the Garden of Gethsemane. But somewhere along the line, we started thinking that to be strong meant you had to deny. And when I started unpacking it, my big underlying fear was, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm doing it wrong? What will that say about me? Mm -hmm. I finally, as I got a little bit further along in my process, I was like, I don't care if I'm doing it wrong because what I'm doing isn't working. So I have to try something else. And that's what forced me to go back into human behavior, um, to do a lot of research on the neurosciences and um, psychology. Mm -hmm. And as I did that and combined it with scripture, not even scripture that I picked up, but scriptures that I felt like God highlighted, my life started to change. And one of those scriptures was in Ephesians, it says, bring everything into the light because there it's illuminated. And when you see it clearly, you're like, oh, well, that's ridiculous thinking. What should I think instead, God? (laughs) And that's how simple it is. I just say, what do you think about what I'm believing God? And uh, I have to tell you this story. The first time I asked Jesus, what do you think about what I'm believing? He actually did raspberries at me. He was like, Pfft. and I knew he was saying, that's nonsense. <laughs> but it was also shocking. I'm not going to lie. I was like, he just, he just told me, what? Did I hear that right? But I did hear it right. And the fruit of it was, that as soon as I heard it, it resonated in my spirit and I let go. I let go of holding myself to some crazy standard. And so, so can um, I ask you, Lisa, can I mm-hmm. ask you a quick question? Because I hear this is the what I feel like um, it is, is showing is perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Do you think perfectionism was very prevalent in your mindset? and what you were doing in your life? Um, And yes and no. So perfectionism is rooted in fear. Fear, And for me, it was fear of disapproval and fear of punishment because I grew up in a home where there was harsh punishment. Mm -hmm. So um, underneath perfectionism is a driver. For some people, it's about being approved. For me, it was about the fear of disapproval. Right. 
Yeah, I can relate. And what do you, what do you recommend, Lisa, like for women who are struggling with perfectionism? Because would you agree that a lot of women do, they, they, they battle with this very thing. It's a mask, right? Because they want to look like they have it all together when the inside they're dying because they think they're going to get found out. But what, what would you say to someone who's fighting this, who's fighting that perfectionism mentality? Well, first I'd say, if I know you, if I see you, and I'll pick up on it, I'll pick up on your internal struggle. For some reason, I'm sensitive to that. Maybe I'm an empath, as they say. And so if I know you, I might say, hey, are you okay? And if you tell me yes, I'll just go, liar. <laughs> that usually breaks the ice. <laughs> but you say this to people that you know, right? So yeah, I just <laughs> I wouldn't say it to a stranger. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I just tease it. No, I agree. You would not. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so generally speaking, to unpack perfectionism, you have to get honest about what's working. Mm-hmm about what's not working and about who Jesus has created you to be as opposed to what you think you're supposed to be. So it's called the tyranny of the shoulds. I should be more of, I should be less of, and all of it is rooted in shame. And and as Christians, it's so easy to interpret um, the Christian messages to be a good Christian does, a good Christian is. And it ends up being works-based rather than being-based. So we spend more time doing rather than becoming. But that's like what, sorry. So when you said like it's uh, should-bes, which I like that tyranny that you said, that pyramids uh, example, it's a lot of just mindset, correct? It's like what they're receiving. It's not necessarily what's being poured into them. It's what they've been receiving as truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry. I just so thought that that was Every really message comes forth from the pulpit is interpreted by each person individually. Mm-hmm. And that comes through a filter. So let's just say you grew up in this wonderful family and you had all these... Um, opportunities, you would see God as the God of the blessing. But if you grew up in a family where you were abused, it might be difficult for you to believe that God loves you. Mm. So that's a filter or a set of glasses that people wear. And no pastor, evangelist, teacher, preacher can filter a message when he's speaking to the message to everyone, you just got to preach the message and pray that it's heard and received and that God will bring other people along to help those with a faulty thinking see Christ for who he is. Can you repeat that? That was just so good. What you just said. (laughs) (laughs) There's no pastor, preacher, teacher, evangelist. Mm -hmm. Nobody on social media that can preach one message that's going to be heard appropriately. Each of us come from different backgrounds and we filter that message some way. And one of the most common things that 
and I'm sure you've heard it too, is, well, I know God loves me, but I don't know. I know it in my head, but not in my heart. Or they say, I know God loves us, but I'm not sure if he loves me. That's a telltale sign that that person has been deeply wounded and has had loss of love from either um, way back in childhood or um, a betrayal, a broken relationship where they have been crushed. And so where you're, where there's crushing, there has to be a restoring. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> where there's crushing, there has to be a restoring. So Amen. let me take that further. The typical things that we use of reading, worshiping, and praying are not sufficient for big issues like betrayal, abuse, death, um, and all kinds of losses. Whenever there's trauma, or, or and I'll even say people have been wounded in the church, okay? We'll include that too. Um, but wherever there has been trauma, you need additional tools. So where you cannot declare yourself to be of sound mind, when you're struggling with anxiety, it's not enough. You have to unpack that and say, what am I believing? What are the thoughts that are generating the anxiety? You have to be willing to think about medicine. I'm not opposed to medicine. I myself was on anti-anxiety medicine for uh, probably eight years. And it helps if you have the right one. So there's a stigma that you have to overcome also. And then you have to be willing to just really look honestly and dig deep. And that goes, that's why I wrote the book Deeper. Because if you trace the roots of your belief system, you'll find out why and where you come up with all these faulty ideas and mindsets. I love that. I, I love what you just said. I mean, it's exactly, it's the roots and, mm -hmm. and doing the hard work, right? Mm -hmm. Self-reflection. So I, I want to highlight those three for our, our friends on the other line. It's friends, if you hear, are hearing Lisa, she's saying reflection of those thoughts. You can't just bypass it. You know, I, I've interacted with some people who've gone through some um, traumatic experience or, and it doesn't even sometimes even have to be traumatic experience. It's just negative experience with a negative mm -hmm. person, but they just bypass it. But there's things that we're pulling that we're not aware of from those experiences or from those people. And if we don't do reflection and we don't um, do the hard work, it, it's, gets rooted deep down. And so we have to pull the roots out. And I like how you said that. Um, when you were talking, there was just a scripture just really just pulled at my heart. Um, and, and maybe you're going to speak on it. So I'm sorry if I'm. No, what's the, the scripture? <laughs> it's it by me. Like, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is oh. pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, I think about uh, such things. And I just keep hearing from you. Um, our thoughts, our thoughts, our thoughts, mm -hmm. and it starts in our thoughts. Um, so how do you help people 
when they come and see you, they seek your counsel, uh, Lisa, and they say, hey, I'm having these negative thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, I do an assessment with them. I want to know their history. I want to know where they've been. Yeah. I want to know what their current struggles are because that tells me a lot. And then I want to know what they're, what they've been doing and how well it's working for them. And then I want, I want to offer them a different approach. And my approach is a combination of, um, basically in the psychological world, they call it cognitive behavior therapy, which is where you deal with beliefs, but without Christ, all you ha have is the opportunity to say, let's look at the facts and let's reframe the story. Mm. But with Christ, you have the opportunity to let him speak truth to you. So I do a lot of what I call exchange exercises and visual prayer. I ask people to imagine themselves sitting with the father and talking to him. Not this formal prayer but just this comfortable prayer, kind of like when the disciples were around the table having a meal with Jesus. Mm. And I would just say to them, just, you know, like see that struggle in your hand and the belief and just say, Jesus, that thing that I'm believing, it's not working for me. In fact, it's hurting me. Can I just give it to you? And then I ask them to wait and watch with the eyes of their heart engaged to see what Jesus might want to do. And I use that a lot because um, the majority of people are visual learners and visual processors. So often they'll see Jesus take their, their burden, their belief. And then we just say, I often ask people to say, my hands and my heart are empty and I'm meant to be full. What truth do you want to give me to replace the lie that I have been believing? And then I ask them to listen. And this is where it gets tricky because they go, I don't know if that was God. And mm -hmm. so I give them the opportunity to share that with me. And for those that are that say that they don't hear God, I just tell them, don't worry about it. I have enough faith for both of us. Mm -hmm. And um, I share my faith with them. So then they tell me what they think they're hearing. And we got, I say, how's that impact you? Does that sound like something Jesus would say? Does that sound like scripture? And if they can say, yeah, I go, well, it was probably God talking to you then. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them to pay attention to any relief that they might be experiencing physically. Because oftentimes when God ministers to us, we relax. It is the best way to live. I have to tell you. It is. And can I, I'm sorry. I just, cause it's so beautiful. Like I'm just picturing this, right? How you just said it's sitting really. I'm thinking back to the beginning of your story, Lisa, how you said you sat on Sunday mornings and you just cried. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I'm hearing how now you are just pouring into other women and you're doing this exchange so number one, you're asking the women just to sit still, right? Just like you did on Sunday mornings. Um, and you're walking them through their experiences. You know, you're going back to 
okay, where did that come from? But just a gentle, just gently guiding them. And then what I also obviously love is that you're, you're highlighting that this can't happen without Christ in the room. Absolutely. People should not have to choose between therapy or their faith. They should, it, if God created everything, like it says in John one, then what we know about our, our bodies, our neurological processes and about psychology are part of God's creation. It's only that we said we were going to separate certain things, call some things clean and other things unclean, but it's not, at least not in my estimation. And, and can I also say one more thing? Yeah. I don't tell people that when they're done, that they'll never struggle again. I tell them you now have a tool, a way to go to the father with your tough emotions that's good. Because because that's the truth. It's not linear. Things happen in life. So do you still have both of your parents? No, I have. Well, my mom's still around, but my father passed away. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, your mom is going to leave this world, and that's going to hurt. Right. And sometimes you find it hard to pray in those kinds of moments, mm-hmm. the typical prayers. But if you learn how to just have conversation with Jesus, mm-hmm. you can say a lot more and let go of a lot more. When you step away from the formality and step into intimacy, you'll mm-hmm. find that he's right there all the time. And you're aware of it more often. So when the big things happen, it's a little bit easier. You're saying some rich stuff right here, Lisa. So again, I don't want to just, you know, go to the next thing because I think our, our friends need to hear this. So number one, Lisa gives you, helps you with the tools because this isn't a one and done. Mm -hmm. Like she said, we're going to have future experience. This is the world. You know, we're going to have disappointments. We're going to have heartaches. So even though she's helped other women break through, have some breakthroughs, hey, there's things in the future that are going to happen. But here she is with what's in her hands, with what she's experienced, and she's willing to say, hey, I'm going to walk you through this. Here's a tool. Um, Knowing that your struggle is just not going to end as soon as your session ends with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two is just that exchange, you know, uh, that's just so beautiful. That intimacy, like you said, I really want people to hear Lisa, because a lot of times, honestly, some of us struggle with having that inti- intimacy with the Lord, you know, right. and, and maybe it could be just from our upbringing. Maybe it's what has been modeled to us in our home. Maybe we're not close to our parents. So when we see God, so if I feel like I've heard stories where people have a hard time believing that there's a loving God because in their home, their parents weren't loving. So they kind of associated subconsciously the two. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what would you say to the person that says, it's so hard to be intimate with God? What are you talking about, Lisa? What do you mean? Um, what do you mean there's not a formality? And especially for those of us who grew up, I grew up Catholic, right? So mm-hmm. there is like this, you know, you say X, Y, and Z, and then your sins are forgiven. But then that's like that workspace mentality, right? How, mm-hmm. what would you say to that person who is struggling with the intimacy with the heavenly father? Is there a formality? I, tell them. You know? um, there's a lot of richness in the Catholic traditions of the rituals and prayers, but for some it's, it's dead. Mm-hmm. But for me, I could step into a Catholic church and enjoy the sacraments, enjoy the liturgies, but I can understand where it could become rote Mm -hmm. and lose the intention. So I say, maybe you just have to find a different intention. Maybe you just got to do something different. Maybe you got to let yourself explore. And in that exploration, you might uncover that you have a forbidden fruit syndrome. Oh, it's not right to be casual with God. He's too holy. And then that's another belief. Mm-hmm. So everything is about looking at what all factors into the situation you're in. So sometimes that's a system. And sometimes that's um, an acute or an isolated event. And sometimes it goes all the way back to childhood. Mm-hmm. But you got to look at all of it. I love it. Look at all of it, friends. Look at all of it. And I love what you're saying, the richness of the Catholic Church. Please, my friends, don't think that I'm bashing the Catholic Church. I'm not. Um, no, no, no. I, I just, I know that some of us struggle with just the intimacy because we've mm-hmm. grown up with saying um, prayers, you know, that end up becoming rote. And what Lisa is trying to say is just walk in to that intimacy with the Lord, where it doesn't have to be like flowery words. It's just what's the cries of your heart, like David did, you know, in Psalms. It was just the cries of his heart. He didn't have, you know, beautiful flowery words. It's just what he was feeling his emotions and he just cried out to God, which is so beautiful. Um, we haven't, I don't think we've mentioned the name of your company. So what is the name of your business? Oh, Pittsburgh Transformation Center. Okay. Pittsburgh Transformation Center. And what, if someone was looking for you, Lisa, how -hmm. would they find you? If they say, wow, she's really resonating with me right now. I need to, you know, reach out to her. They can go to ptcentr.life. So it's ptcenter.life. Okay. And they can anything find on social me media? Um, I have a personal page. I have a business page uh, on Facebook and one other page on Facebook, and that's called Living from the Heart for Christian Women. Okay. That's and basically know- a content page. Okay. So that's a Facebook page and Mm -hmm. do you, so they'll just find you on Facebook, search you on Facebook and then ask to join your group. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then, so I know that you just had some cut cards. Walk me through what are these cut cards <laughs> that you have been working on and praying over, you know? So that's kind of a funny story. I was talking to a friend one morning, probably about 10 months ago. I was like, I think I'm going to develop a therapeutic deck of cards and call them cut cards. She goes, oh, what is that? I went, I don't know. I wasn't planning on saying it. It's one of those <laughs> If you're a creative filled with the Holy Spirit, you get this. Sometimes right. things just happen and you're like, okay, I'm just going to catch up with it. Right. So I started, I made some protocol decks and I tweaked them and tweaked them and tweaked them. And then I did a six month study and actually they just, the new design, everything just got delivered to me two days ago. They are gorgeous to look at and they are a blend of cognitive behavior therapy and scriptural principles. So it, it starts off by you paying attention to your emotional state and your physical state. And then you have to identify what it is you're feeling because it's not enough to say, I feel bad. You kind of right. got to narrow that down. And then there's a um, card that's a question you ask yourself. What's the story you're telling yourself? And that's where your beliefs come in. That's where all the negative um, self-talk comes in. That's the kind of stuff we go, see, it's happening again. I knew he was going to leave me. I knew they wouldn't choose me, that kind of stuff. And then it jumps to uncoping, unhealthy coping strategies, self-medication, self-protection, negative evaluations of yourself uh, and protecting others. And you look at that because that's the stuff we run to, or it's the stuff we are that we're trying to avoid, the thoughts and the events that are going on around us, and we're trying to get away from it. So we run to something else. And then we move towards identifying what your heart truly needs. And that's all about emotional needs, love, safety, security, uh, worth, value. And there's a lot more of them. Because when you know what your heart needs, then you can ask the father to meet the needs of your heart. Because Psalm's pretty clear. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. And it's not things. It's what we need to survive, what we need to thrive, what we need to experience his presence. Mm. So then there's like 17 or 18 questions that are actually scriptures they were scriptures that I turned into questions. And then I just tell people, you know, take a minute, breathe, ask the question, and listen. Listen with your ears, sense what the message is that he may be giving you, and sometimes pay attention to um, the pictures that pop up in your mind. Mm -hmm. Because those things are very often the way God communicates. And for some people, that's a stretch. I get it, but this is what God's given me to work with. And so this is what I did. And I'm actually right now writing a journal to go along with it so people can take a deeper dive and understand that whole process even more. Wow, that's amazing. So, maybe so by the end of August. By the end of August. So basically these cards... Um, which are like a deck of cards, is like having Lisa Penny in your house all the time. So when you say like, I guess mm -hmm. you know, flip them and then you have the journal that is going to 
um, hopefully be launched in August. What intrigues me about you, Lisa, is, uh, you know, people, it's hard for people to, if they don't know you, how old you are. So I want to highlight this because this is amazing. You're never too young or too old just to be, um, do something out of the ordinary. You know, um, we try to put ourselves in a box and say, well, I'm X, Y, and Z age, so I can't do this. So you are. I'll be 61 in August. Yeah. So I didn't want you to say your full age unless you wanted to. <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> so I'm pretty 60- proud of it. I agree, because I didn't even know you were 61. So you don't look 61. So 61 years young, friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long ago did you, you know, let go of working uh, for someone and decided, okay, this is the time to start my business? Uh, so I had been at this, like a little side hustle for a while, um, as a ministry for a while. And the call got too big. But my husband wasn't quite ready. Um, so when, last year, right before Easter, he said, I think it's time for you to quit. And basically, he said that because I kept having meltdowns at work. I wasn't who I used to be. I had become the shape of the vision that God created me for. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, um, I left the workforce in June of last year. So that was when you were 60, right? You would be 60. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I want to highlight to our friends as well. Okay. It seems like there was some pressure that I feel like had to kick you out (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that you wouldn't stay and be complacent and stagnant because you knew God was drawing you deeper to use your words, really, you know, to minister to other women. And you couldn't do both. You were kind of like riding the fence and God was like, okay, no, look, I want you to completely focus on this. So you saw a problem and that problem. And this is another thing that I've seen and heard from other women who are stepping out, right? They're daring to believe is that they saw a problem um, and they use their passion and now they found their purpose. And mm-hmm. it seems like with you, Lisa, you saw a problem uh, and you had the wonderful support of your husband, Terry, who told you, you know, hey, and challenged you, I think it's time. Um, and here you are, 61 years young, uh, launching or have launched your business and then adding value to women and also adding, trying to figure out, okay, what are some tools that I can give. If I can't be with them on -on one-on-one, I can't be on the phone. I can't be with them face-to-face and you've developed these cards and now you're developing a journal. Wow. That is amazing. I I'm just so proud of you. Um, how you're following what God has has called you to do and to become, especially at 61. It's (laughs) never too, never too young, never too old. So, um, so share with us, uh, Real quickly, Lisa, is there a favorite, you've given us so many beautiful scriptures, is there a favorite book or inspirational speaker that you would recommend to your friends listening Mm. today? So my favorite book, I have two of them. One is The Invitation by Tony Stolstis. He's a master coach and he really talks a lot about, um, 
letting God into the places of your heart that need him most. And then this new book that I'm reading is called Wholeheartedness by Chuck DeGross. And that's a book on the, a slower lifestyle and a more contemplative lifestyle. Mm. So since I've quit working, I'm able to actually slow down and enjoy and be present mm. and step away from the, I have to have more, I have to do more, I have to be more. And it's been absolutely, both of those books are powerhouse books for me. Mm-hmm because they reshaped who I am. Wow. And that would have been impossible to do to live the slower life if you were still today in the workforce and trying to, you know, minister to other women through your business. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love it. And I think COVID is is really showing us how to try to live a slower lifestyle Um, Mm -hmm. to, to sit and dwell and, what God has, you know, wants us to learn, wants to speak to us. So um, I'm, I'm just so grateful for you and grateful for our time together. Before we end, Lisa, I want to reach out to you and ask, do you feel that you have relayed your message to women um, with us today? Today, yes. In the long run, no, I feel like there's a whole lot more people that need to hear this. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I want to share with you, friends, that, you know, if there's someone on your heart today after listening to this, and this is one of the the best things about a podcast, send it and share it with them um, and go to Lisa's website. Lisa, share your website again for us of where they can find you. PT Center. Yeah, ptcenter.life. ptcenter.life. Thank you so much, Lisa. I just so appreciate you. Oh, Anna, thank you so much for having me. This has been quite the treat. Yeah, I can't believe we've been chatting for over 45 minutes. It's like, where does the time go when I chat with my friends? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just been so wonderful. And you've given us so many great nuggets of truth, you know, exchanging, walking with the Lord, sitting with your feelings, reflecting, you know, uh, friends, please see Lisa. If you want to know more, to learn more, um, don't suppress your feelings. There is truth there that you have to learn that our Holy Spirit Father wants to show you, wants to teach you, wants to walk through those hard times, those hard moments. Um, Thank you again, Lisa, for joining. And and thank you again, friends, for joining Daring to Believe. This is your host, Anna Aiken. Mm -hmm.